Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. It is Wednesday, October 19th, live from my apartment and his attic. This is the Ben Chirovsky Show. I am DJ Nate, filling in for the one and only Dr. D. Today on the show, we have legendary Chicago journalist Monroe Anderson. And now, your host, Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Bad News Bulls Wednesday, and here's why. I know, I know, I know. We're a political podcast, and I shouldn't be talking about the Bulls, but my beloved Chicago Bulls opened their season tonight, and already there's bad news. Breaking news. Zach Levine, something wrong with his knee. I don't know. He says it doesn't hurt, but he can't play. I don't know. The news was brought to me literally before I went on the show by Mick Dumkey. Mick Dumkey, ProPublica ace, uh, investigative reporter, used to come on the show to talk politics, my old friend, my dear friend, has somehow, for some reason, adopted the Bulls as his favorite team. Very bad choice, Mick. I had no choice. I had to be a Bulls fan. I grew up in Evanston. So, like, what choice did I have? You, Mick. You you ha- you could be you're unencumbered. You could be a Golden State Warrior fan, and life would be pleasant and peaceful and lovely. Instead, Zach Levine bum knee, Lonzo Ball's bum knee. All right, let's forget about sports. Just on my mind. I want to talk? Well, I want to talk about sports in a different way. Public financing of stadiums. Very interesting poll come out uh, came out yesterday uh, by WBEZ and uh, the Chicago Sun Times. Uh, they've been tag teaming on a series of polls over the last week. Some show uh, JB Trouncing, uh, DB Bailey, uh, Darren Bailey. And uh, this poll uh, has to do with whether voters uh, believe the Bears should receive a subsidy for their new football arena, football stadium, indoor stadium in Arlington Heights. As you all know, the Bears put an option on property in Arlington Heights, the old racetrack, and they plan to convert it into a football stadium. Uh, just as soon as they can. And at first, they kind of ducked and dodged around whether there would be public financing uh, for the stadium. And then they pretty much made it clear that they expect, they anticipate some handout in some form or another uh, from some public entity for this uh, stadium. Probably, no one has really specified this, the handout will come in the form of a TIF uh, deal with Arlington Heights, which means property taxpayers in Arlington Heights will pay more in property taxes, and that extra money will go to the Bears. Look, as long as it's not me, the taxpayer of Chicago, I stand out. If, if the Arlington Heights folks want to throw their money, I mean, uh, invest in a Chicago Bears stadium, it's not my business, okay? I don't live in Arlington Heights, uh, and uh, I don't pay property taxes out there. The poll showed that of respondents do not want any public subsidy for the beer. Now, that kind of struck me. 45%, not one nickel should go to the Chicago Bears. 28% said that it'd be okay with them if infrastructure costs 
were covered uh, by uh, the public. And I, I just love that, man. That's that's the new thing. Mayor Rahm figured that one out. Uh, if you give a handout to subsidize some developer on some deal, but you say it's for infrastructure, then the public will like, well, boom. We need infrastructure. We need streets paved. <laughs> that, all you got to do is say infrastructure and taxpayers will go, okay, sounds good to me. <laughs> infrastructure is not like a crumbling bridge just, you know, in an ordinary neighborhood or a crumbling viaduct in an ordinary neighborhood or, you know, potholes the size of Mars throughout the city of Chicago. No, infrastructure is a very specific payment that goes to a deal that one developer and one development will benefit from, okay? It's not like helping a whole bunch of people. The streets of Chicago will be filled with potholes, but that one development will have just like the smoothest street. You could cut diamonds on that street. It's so smooth. You could eat your breakfast off that street. It's so smooth and clean. But all you gotta do is say infrastructure. And Chicagoans are like, not in your head, yeah. So apparently it works for... Uh, Folks throughout the state just say infrastructure. 28% say um, it's okay with them if the infrastructure costs are covered. Uh, another 12% say they don't care what money goes to the Bears for what reason they support it. Those are the diehard Chicago Bear fans. Just give money to the Bears. Maybe they can invest it in a good product. Ha, ha, ha. There is no sports fan in the state of Illinois more delusional than a Chicago Bear fan. Year after year after year, we, because I'm one of them, throw our support behind a team that is just incapable of putting together a quality product on the field. We'll always lose. We'll always disappoint. And yet, this is like the Cub fans. They, they, they used to say this with the Ricketts and Wrigley Field. If we allow the Ricketts to put a, a, a big sign in Wrigley Field with commercials, they'll bring in money and they'll be able to pay talent. Man, they just took the money in and put it in their pocket. Anybody watch the M, uh, the uh, playoffs last night? Kyle Schwarber, remember him? Hit a home run that's still falling somewhere for the Phillies, not the Cubs. What are Chicago sports fans going to catch on? Your sports teams don't care about you. Chicago sports fans, they just want your money. So 12% of the people surveyed by WBZ, the Sun Times, said, we don't care. Just give it to the Bears. However they spend it is fine with us. And then, of course, there's my favorite category. 15% don't know, have no opinion. <laughs> uh, that's my always my favorite category in any public opinion poll. The 15%, the significant number who have no opinion whatsoever. I know you Chicagoans out there. See, Chicagoans are very suspicious when people ask them a question. It's like, you ask them a question, they go, well, why do you want to know? What's the catch? Where are you going with this? That's a typical Chicagoan adage. My, my dear guest coming on, Monroe Anderson knows what I'm talking about. He's lived in this city since the late 60s. He's from Gary, Indiana. Gary, Indiana's got his typical attitude. Why are you asking me these questions? What do you want to know? You writing a book? <laughs> How many times has somebody responded to a question I've asked them by going, what are you writing a book? Well, maybe if you say something vaguely interesting, I might put it in a book. But that's, that's like that 15%. They're like, not quite sure what the right answer is. Kind of worried that if they say the wrong thing, I don't know, their garbage won't be picked up. Or maybe they're just freaking clueless. I don't know. 
I have no idea what to say. I have some guests from time to time. I'm not naming names. I'll say, what do you want to talk about? And they go, don't ask me about this. I don't have an opinion on it. I say, whatever. It's not the Army. Can't force you to have an opinion. 15% have no opinion. Overall, I would say this is uh, good news for the Bears. I'll explain why. Back in 2008, whenever uh, Mayor Daley had that really dumb idea to publicly pay for an Olympics, turning over our park districts uh, to the International Olympic Committee, the overwhelming majority of people polled by the Tribune, I think it was like 80%, something like that, said they did not want one nickel spent on that fiasco. Oh, they like the idea of the Olympics, but they didn't want to spend any of their tax dollars on it. 80%. The city powers that be just ignored them and signed over a blank check to the International Olympic Committee. This was a sign in my mind that there was utter madness. We make fun of, I make fun of uh, the lunatics from MAGA, but I mean, I don't know. This is pretty mad. This is pretty crazy. This is like MAGA-like lunacy. This is Kanye West-like lunacy back in 2008. 80% of the people in the city of Chicago did not want their money spent on the Olympics, and Mayor Daley and the city council gave a blank check. I remember when uh, the Chicago didn't get the Olympics, the Tribune wrote an editorial that said, dry your eyes, Chicago. Stop crying. It was a noble effort to get the Olympics. Don't feel bad you didn't get the Olympics. I'm like, hello, Tribune. Do you not read your own newspaper? 80% of the people don't want public financing for the Olympics. So the fact that it's not 80% against the Bears uh, is probably a good sign for the Bears. You know, those Arlington Heights officials, they'll take a page from Rom's paybook and figure out some way to spin it when they give that handout to the Bears. And Arlington Heights voters will go, oh, sounds good to me, infrastructure. <laughs> and uh, as long as I'm not paying it, I don't care. All right, without further ado, I want to bring on Monroe Anderson. It's Wednesday, time for Monroe. Uh, and uh, we got Trump talk. We've got um, <laughs> a lot of Trump talk. We've got uh, Kanye West talk. We may have a little Charles Thomas talk. We've got a lot of things on our plate to uh, address. So without further ado, the legendary Monroe Anderson, the pride and joy of Gary, India, Indiana. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Yes, it is afternoon, Monroe. All right, so we'll get to the local news, uh, the Chicago news debate last night with Darren Bailey and J.B. Pritzker. I've not uh, forgotten that. Thing. What a travesty that, what a joke that was. Um, but uh, Monroe, let's talk a little Trump. Uh, as we speak, uh, I believe Donald Trump is in a deposition. Is that correct? Or is it over? It may be still going on. Um, and that is the deposition regarding the defamation trial uh, the defamation case filed by uh, journalist um, E.J. Carroll, who claims Trump uh, raped her back in 1995 in a dressing room of a department store in New York. And the defamation suit uh, is when Trump said he denied that he raped her. Uh, he said he she was lying, and so she has filed suit against him. Uh, interesting thing, Trump's defense is that he's not attracted to her, which suggests, of course, as I always like to point out, that he would have raped her had he been attracted to her. That is the man you elected, MAGA. That's your guy. You love Donnie. And they still love him. They still love him. They still, the the, the uh, moral majority crowd, the uh, American val the values crowd, the family comes first crowd, they love Donnie Trump. 
no matter how many women that he has allegedly raped. Uh, Monroe, what's going on with? Uh, have you heard any updates uh, on no, about the? We, the only reason we know about it is she uh, reported it. She she put it on social media that he was being he was being deposed today. And on on his, you know, he has his 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 version of Twitter. It's called Truth and something. It's something that's totally inappropriate, as as is Trump. And, and um, on his 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 page, he t- talked about how um, she wasn't even his type. So he didn't. He that's his story, and he's sticking. He's to still it. saying that. Yes. <laughs> And he says she's lying. And this is the problem. This is a civil suit, not a criminal suit. And it will, although he's treating it as he's done all his other civil suits, in 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 that um, he just continues to double down in his, down in his lie, if that's at all possible for him to do. But he double downs in his lie, and and just calls people names. But now this is this is in a this is going to be before a New York jury, and I'm and and for money, and um, we've already saw the um, plight of Alex Jones, and Donald Trump may be on may be following that same route, destined same fate, lots of money. It won't be built a billion bucks, but. Uh, twenty-five million here, twenty-five million there. Who's counting? Uh, well, just so everybody knows, uh, Donald Trump, uh, he may be sitting for a deposition uh, at the moment. A uh, judge has ordered that he uh, take the deposition because he's been dilly dallying in this tr- case for many, many months. Uh, but it's not a couple of years. A couple of years. It's but this is the point I'm making. It it is by no means certainty that there will be a trial because. Uh, he is still appealing the issue in regards to the issue that he, follow me on this, ladies and gentlemen, uh, as federal officials, a federal employee uh, is um, protected. His speech is protected no matter what he says it, uh, regarding uh, E. Jean Carroll uh, and her accusation of rape, uh, that he is protected as the president, because uh, at the time he said it, he was the president of the United States. Uh, and so therefore, it was a question asked of him regarding his official capacity as president of the United States and anything he says is a response um, as the president of the United States and you cannot sue the president of the United States for defamation. Uh, So ha, ha, ha. He can say everything he wants. He's protected. But meanwhile, Donnie is suing CNN. Just want to say that, ladies and gentlemen. Just want to point out one more time, MAGA. Donnie Trump is suing CNN. Says they defamed his character. Okay? So I just... Want to say, you know, it, he does whatever he wants, even if it uh, contradicts what he did yesterday. So, Monroe, what, what's your opinion of uh, Donald Trump's uh, defense that he should be free to say absolutely anything he wants where, uh, because he's the president of the United States? Go ahead. Trump believes that the presidency is like Captain America's shield. So anything comes at him, he throws it up, <laughs> the, the presidency. The problem is his shield is not in Mar-a-Lago. It's in on Pennsylvania Avenue in D.C. So what he believes he's doing are, are, 
or, or can still do and what he actually can do now that he's in the American legal system. Um, don't jive. All right. So as uh, our uh, resident expert on MAGA uh, and uh, also our resident expert uh, on white America, Monroe Anderson uh, is our resident expert. He covers that beat for us. Thank you, Monroe. Uh, yes, we've been studying you guys for 50 years. <laughs> <laughs> Longer than that, Monroe. But uh, actually, you never even met a white person for like the first, how many years of your life? 12? When you were in Gary? Uh, no, no, no. No, no, no. I, I didn't know. I met a white person when I was real little. There was a a guy who owned a, a grocery store across the street on Delaware. And then when I moved to the west side of Gary, um, I had a third grade teacher who was white and a 10th grade teacher who was white. And that was it. Wow. Just let's just pause for No, actually, no, there was one white student in my high school, <laughs> Gary Roosevelt High School. One. One? Was, yeah. Do you remember his name? And he was, uh, no, but he was cool. He was he was blacker than ninety percent of the students there. <laughs> he wore the right clothes. He talked the right language. Everybody liked him because he was cool. <laughs> oh my goodness, that's hilarious! The one white guy in the all black school, the one two teach. Oh, so let's tally them up: the white guy, the two teachers, and the grocery store owner. All right, or the uh, yeah. the, the yeah. neighborhood store and, owner. And, and, and I, I didn't know, I, I, I left the east side of Gary when I was uh, six. So I, I didn't know the, I, I didn't know the store owner at all. You know, I just, I went there with my parents. But you saw him. him. You literally saw him. I saw him. Yeah. I saw a living, breathing white person. So then my third grade teacher who was white. I loved because she gave us candy, <laughs> the right answer. <laughs> and I was full of right answers. So. <laughs> and then, ladies and gentlemen, at the age of 18, he got dropped at Bloomington, Indiana, at the University right. of Mantuck. Oh, and my it was saturation. Culture, it was culture shock. <laughs> uh, it's hilarious. Uh, but that's our country, very segregated. And, uh, I have a, a, a similar experience in reverse until my family moved to Evanston from Rhode Island. I, um, I don't believe I ever met a black person ever, uh, anyone, uh, until I got, I was almost 11 years old. Think about that Monroe in reverse. You know what I mean? I'm like standing in the playground at Nichols junior high with my eyes wide open. Like, wow, the world has changed. It's not the way it was back in Rhode Island. It was all, you know, Irish and Italians, etc. Anyway. Yeah, I know. Let me tell you this real quick. My son grew up in Lincoln Park. When Scott was eight, it's when I went to Channel 2, and I was in charge of the parades and the floats, the float that TV had. We went to the Bud Billiken Parade. And I had Scott, my older son, eight-year-old son, on the float. And he was throwing out trinkets to the crowd. And he turned to me and says, where did all these black people come from? Because <laughs> he'd never seen so many in his life until he went to the South Side to a parade. 
Wow. Different experiences for different areas. All right. So exactly. You know, it wasn't critical or anything. He's just he was shocked. He's you know, it's like where did all these you know suddenly there's this crowd of black people that he'd never seen yeah. before. What was he, did you say? Eight? Eight. Yeah, well just think about it. He's used to life in Lincoln Park. We're not right. a lot of black people in Lincoln Park. Right. Right. Um and uh, uh, so anyway, the, this was all a lead up. To, you're an expert on this. Why is it that a party that purports to be the party of values, the party of family, the party of the, the American way uh, would support, worship, bow down to a man, Donald Trump, who's accused of rape? Who's, by the way, doesn't really his act his def, and his defense of rape is not that he's opposed to the concept of rape. It's just that in this particular case, he would not have raped E. Jean Carroll because he doesn't find her attractive. So it's not like he's against rape as a thing, okay? Which is an interesting. Well, he he's 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 not he's not been known to say he was for rape, but <laughs> but he's there. There are. God, tw- 20 double-digit women who have accused him of inappropriate sexual behavior. Braves grabbed him by the pussy uh, because he was famous or other other things. Uh, so he, he, he is not a gentle man around ladies. So, so answer this question. Why does the quote party, quote-unquote, of family values, support a man who is accused of rape? Go. Answer that question. Because he's white, they're white, and he is going to make America white again. And so anything he does is is uh, is okay. Well... To the extent of even um, now, there, I mean, with his having the stolen merchandise from us, the American people, the top secret uh, memos and the, all, all, all this, all the boxes of stuff he, he took to his um, Florida clubhouse from the white house. Um, some people said they don't care if he did it or not. Or if he stole, he, he stole it. Or some of his people said they don't care. Well, no, we're, we're, we've experienced this. I mean, uh, the Republicans have made it clear with the case of Herschel Walker uh, in, um, in Georgia that all that matters to them is winning. So they contend that they oppose abortion, uh, that it's murder, uh, that it's uh, the cumulative effect of abortion is worse than what the Nazis did to the Jews uh, in World War II. Uh, and... Um, so that's, a, that's their position, and yet when Herschel Walker is accused, and we all kind of know he did it, pay, to pay for an abortion of one of his uh, mistresses or lady friends, I'm not quite sure who she was exactly in his relationship, they condone it. Oh, it's all right. We, his vote, the, the quote was from Dana Bush, I think it was something along the lines of, I don't care if he uh, killed... Uh, like the an eagle, um, I want to take control of the uh, of the Senate. I just want to point out it's not an eagle he was accused of killing. It was according to what you guys consider a human life. So you're saying a murder is justified? I'm just telling. I'm just 
applying your logic to you. Okay. But don't don't call it logic. You call it, there must be a better word we can find for it than logic because it's not logical. <laughs> Fair enough. Worldview. I'm applying your worldview. Um, so what do they get out of Donald Trump? It's been four years since he came down. No, seven years since he came down that uh, escalator. And I've been thinking, what? And, and now since he's running for president, he's been the most dominant force. Well, he, he had to, he, you know, he earned it. You know, he he was when he came down the, the escalator, he wasn't the most dominant force. No, he's been the most dominant force for the last seven years. So I want to know what does what does MAGA get out of this? Okay, so you sacrifice your family values, you sacrifice your beliefs uh, about abortion, you everything you supposedly believe in, uh, he has tarnished. What do you get? What literally does MAGA get for having bowed down to Donald Trump for the last seven years, Monroe? What do they get out of it? Making America white again. This is race. It's, 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 it's white supremacists worried about um, America not being majority white within a decade or so. And they're afraid that, and I'm speaking now as a minority, a person of color, they're afraid that we're going to do to them what they did to us for the last 400 years. And so they're freaked out about it. And it's, again, speaking of logic, there is none there. Because, A, we, we, wouldn't, we don't roll that way. Uh, and secondly, the country, there already is a, a, a cultural influence in America, the, the thing that they're afraid of is already is already happened. That that train has left the station. America's greatest exports, cultural exports, is black culture. That's that that's what represents America now. It's not baseball. It's not, I'm trying to think of the other things they used to imagine themselves as having influence on the world with. I'm not sure. What, 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 what has America's cultural export been in the past? Monroe, I would argue that not much has changed uh, in my lifetime, in your lifetime, in regards to the greatest uh, export being black culture from the United States. And I was recalling uh, there's a, a YouTube clip of James Brown performing in Italy. I think it's in the 60s. And the crowd is going crazy, you know. And uh, James Brown's putting on a tremendous performance. And if the, it, nothing says uh, black culture yeah. in the 60s like James Brown. So yeah. I think you're on to something. It's been that way, uh, the, number, the chief import, or excuse me, export from the United States is black culture, no doubt about that. Um, it's the chief driving force in American culture, no doubt about that, which makes me wonder the impact of Kanye West. Because you've been expressing, uh, and I think you're right, to a certain degree, that MAGA is driven by a desire uh, to continue white domination uh, in the United States, a fear that uh, white people will be a minority 
uh, a sense that they're losing something. It's very similar to what uh, white Chicagoans were expressing in 1983 when they faced the possibility of Harold Washington, a black man, being the mayor. Because back in those days, the mayor was Mayor Daley, right? That's all. It was scary. Um, so what do you make of Kanye West being the one of the most dominant voices in America right now for the MAGA white supremacy agenda? I, I don't think he's the, 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 the dominant voice. I, I, think you, I think you give him too much credit. One of them. Um, one of them. I think he's definitely in the top ten. I, don't think so. I, I mean, in terms oh, yeah, of reach, reach but how many, you know, how many if, Facebook? If if, if um, my reach, if I reach ten million people, and 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 my my reach is that uh, in ten days we're all going to be able to fly. It doesn't matter. It's, it's not going to happen just because I I reached you and told you that, and so. I mean, I, I sure Kanye or Yay, sorry, Yay, uh, has some influence, but he he does not have influence over the majority of black people and what they're going to think about MAGA. Oh no! Anything he, he's doing I, yeah, with I, yeah. MAGA people is the crazy stuff he's saying validates their racism. That's my point. Uh, yeah. So, he, yeah. I mean, yeah, speech, uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, I mean, he, he's not uh, an influencer with his like the other day, his statement that George Floyd was not actually killed by uh, a, a Minneapolis police officer, that in fact he died because fentanyl in his system, which is straight up MAGA, which I'm sure is all over MAGA, MAGA land. Uh, has been Fox TV ran with it. That was like the message of the week. So, what I'm what I'm saying is that uh, Yay, I'll go with it, uh, is one of the predominant voices that MAGA listens to at this moment. There's no doubt in my mind. He's in the top ten. You got to. There's Tucker Carlson. They're only listening to him when he's saying what they want him to say. If tomorrow he tweeted that black people were superior to white people, they would not listen to him. They're listening to him because of, mm -hmm, even Kanye West agrees with what we say. And, and, and that's the difference. Uh, and, and the black people I know, I don't know every black person in America, but the black people I know think he's gone bonkers. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, uh, or maybe he was there already. Yeah, he is. No, I, I, I'm with you 100% on what you just said. Uh, but I, I, I do believe that, um, that MAGA is positioning black people, not just uh, yay, but a lot of black people's Candace Owens, Herschel Walker, Larry Elder, the list goes on and on, Tim Scott, uh, as their uh, spokespeople. Uh, Clarence Payne's just had a story in today's Tribune, a column in today's Tribune about the number of uh, black people who are running as MAGA candidates throughout the country. Their voices are invaluable to MAGA. Invaluable. And you're right. See, if they changed, if they suddenly woke up one night and go, you know what? I can't believe I've been saying this stuff for the last, I, I take back everything I say, I apologize. They would be dropped for MAGA 
like that. Yeah, you're absolutely correct. Exactly. Exactly. No, they they are saying what the Magonites want to hear. And they they are in the Magonites' mind, they're being validated because even this black person. Because as you know, I, I for several years, I spent too much time fighting with the Trump nuts about what they believe. And what they would do is they would find some black person who backed up their statement some unknown, many times unknown black person, and and use them as an example of how they were right and I was wrong and um, that I was playing the race car. That was the other thing I was doing. Whenever I, whenever I said anything that um, went against their opinion on what it should be, then I was playing the, the race car. Which is bizarre, because that's the only card they play. They play the race card over and over. It's just a different card, you know. Well, as my rebuttal to them would be, be, I'll tell you what, I'll let you have my race card if you give me your race <laughs> deck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. me. They, they had nothing, yeah, to, they say had nothing to say. Anyway, by the way, and it's not just black people who are doing this. Uh, there's Jewish Americans who carry water for uh, Trump and MAGA, despite the anti-Semitism that's out there. And that's uh, is a sickening thing. The silence, uh, just the absolute silence uh, uh, in the face of anti-Semitism or defending Trump when it, this weekend uh, he went off the rails. And, uh, and then the silence uh, from prominent um, Jewish MAGA people regarding Yay. I mean, he really went off the rails on a three-hour rant that was so anti-Semitic and anti-Jewish. It was like the worst things that you would ever read out of like Nazi propaganda. And then silence. And it's like the, 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 the will to win an election is so strong. And I got to tell you, Monroe, Democrats don't play this game. I will defend the Democrats because in the 80s, I remember LaRouche's won a primary on two positions. You remember this? Remember Secretary of State, Lieutenant Governor, the LaRouche's, an extremist group? Uh, Thanks to voter ignorance, apathy, and alienation, were victorious, like a protest vote against the Democratic slate. And they were the Democrat nominees in 1988. Uh, Excuse me, it was forget what year it was. I think it was uh, 86. And Adlai Stevens informed, who was the Democratic nominee for governor, formed a third party specifically to run in that election because he didn't want to run with the LaRouches. So this is a Republican game. Win at any cost. Overlook anything. And it's, and it's a fairly recent development. Um, they weren't this this way um, even in Reagan's years, and, and Reagan was the worst, the worst. But even he was, he wasn't where these people are now. R- Reagan would be primaried, the Ronald Reagan that we know in this day and age would be primaried by these people because he was too soft on communism and and uh, and immigrants and who knows what else. Yeah, probably on immigrants. He was uh, had a much different attitude toward immigration. 
uh, that MAGA Republicans do. That's for certain. And communism is, it's very strange how communism is uh, used right now, uh, Monroe, by MAGA. On one hand, they embrace Putin, who was a KGB of, uh, official during the, com- the Soviet reign. On the other hand, they despise China. Um, they, <laughs> they pick and choose the communists uh, that they adore. Uh, or uh, let's see. Let, let me let me let, let me think about this for a second. Uh, Putin is white, <laughs> and the Chinese are not white. <laughs> so, it's logical. It makes sense to me. Yeah. Uh, there's a new book out, Robert Draper, uh, from uh, New York Times writer, as you uh, pointed out to me before we began the show, and. Uh, uh, weapons of mass delusion, uh, when the Republican Party lost its mind. Uh, and uh, I've been reading, I have not read the book. I've been reading accounts of the book and, re- and reviews of the book. Uh, and essentially, it, he is attempting to do on a, a very specific level what uh, you've been describing, which is to, to uh, pinpoint the moments in history in which Republicans went further and further and further from reality, uh, had entered uh, this uh, meta world of fantasy, which is, I think, where they largely inhabit, where they they make up uh, problems and crises that don't exist and use them to justify uh, horrific policies uh, that will are largely intended, I think, to uh, help them win office. And they just go further and keep, keep them, them in power. power. And keep keep and keep people of other uh, who aren't white out of power. And this was all. I mean, the turning point, the tipping point, was Obama. Because never in their wildest dreams could they imagine a black man in the White House. And, and, and with with children too, a wife and children too, and a mother-in-law. Say, mother, this was, yeah, exactly. And this was too much, and so yeah, that's when we first got the tea party, and um, and 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 some of the um, the the MAGA people were former tea party people. Metals was one. Um, Mike Lee was a was was a a tea partier. I if you remember, I used to refer to them as tea baggers back then, and for which they initially called themselves as tea baggers, but through their ignorance, they didn't know what a tea bagging meant, and when they found yeah. out, yeah, yeah from, uh, so one of the examples that Draper uses is Marjorie Taylor Greene. Uh, the congresswoman from Georgia, uh, out-and-out extremist, and uh, will not play by any conventional rules or protocol the way you treat other people. Uh, and um, some of her public behaviors, like uh, in regards to David Hogg, for instance, the uh, Parkland uh, student who led sort of the uh, protests against uh, uh, for gun uh, safety laws and she following down the street. I know you've seen that video, Monroe. She's just following him down the street, heckling him. It's absolute vile behavior, uh, inexcusable 
and she relishes it. She's she's proud of it. She's never in any way uh, apologized for it. She is now on the threshold. Uh, if the Republicans take back Congress, and right now the polls look like they will take the House of Representatives back, uh, she is on the threshold of being uh, a high-ranking committee person in the Republican Party. They drove Liz Cheney out, and Liz Cheney will effectively be replaced by Marjorie Taylor Greene. Right. There's no check on them. No, no, no. no. They're, the MAGA is like um, uh, girls gone wild in, in, in a political version of that. I mean, they just... They are the extreme on everything, and and the, when they they're saying it now, even when they win the house, they're going to impeach Biden. I mean, they're saying we're going to impeach Biden and Nancy Pelosi, and uh, oh, and Dr. Fauci. Fauci. I mean, you know, it's like it's going to be the revenge party. When they get back in. And so uh, usually you play the role on our Wednesday chats as the optimist. But you don't sound very optimistic right now about the pending uh, midterms. I'm, yeah, I'm not optimistic about it. But my fingers are crossed. And uh, I, I'm still teeny, eeny, weeny, beeny bit optimistic in that the momentum um is sort of in the in the Democrats part favor, although the polls are not showing it. But if you'll remember, I guess it was twenty fourteen, uh when the uh Republicans had this surprise upcomments to the Democrats, you know, everybody thought the Democrats would squeak by. And it turned into a landslide. It kept going and going and going. In the last days before the, the midterms, you got this shift. And so I'm hopeful that something will come up that will do that. Um, the, the Democrats, though, I, I, although they're doing a much better hardball play, it's not hard enough yet. And, and a problem is that um, the abortion peaked for that policy. I mean, right now, the two things that are dominating uh, is crime and um, the economy. And it's no instant fix for either of those things. Well, let's talk about crime. Uh, last night, there was a debate. Uh, in Illinois for the governor's race, uh, J.B. Pritzker, the incumbent Democrat, against D.B. Uh, Darren Bailey, the uh, state senator uh, from downstate Illinois. Uh, and Darren Bailey is a MAGA man to the core. And it is kind of interesting to watch himself sort of try everything he can to distance himself from core MAGA, which was starting with reverence toward Trump when he was a candidate. Uh, looking to be uh, in the primary, looking to get the nomination. He embraced Trump. Uh, he welcomed Trump's support. He pretty much begged for Trump's support, went to the Trump rally that Trump had for Mary Miller uh, downstate uh, and basked in the glow of Trump's endorsement. And that enabled him to uh, solidify MAGA votes 
uh, and he won convincingly in the Republican primary. Now that he's running in the general election, uh, it's <laughs> it's another thing. He's kind of running twenty two points behind. Is that what you saw? I saw fifteen. What did you see? Twenty two. Yeah, twenty two. I saw wow. twenty two. You know, they're yeah. varying polls, but what I saw was twenty two. Uh, but he is. Um, yeah. Anyway, all of them is yeah. double digits. It is. Uh, it is. It is just sort of comical to watch him uh, distance himself, and he really is reminding me of Richard Irvin now, uh, who of course uh, was uh, defeated, ran third. Richard Irvin was running as a quote unquote, and I have it in quotes, moderate uh, Republican with uh, Kenny Griffin's money. Everybody's forgotten him, the, the mayor of Aurora. Uh, he was trounced because uh, Republicans said he wasn't MAGA enough. And now uh, Darren Bailey's kind of following the uh, urban playbook as he's running in a general election where he goes as far as he can possibly go in distancing himself from Trump without alienating MAGA. It's an interesting little dance he's doing uh and and same thing he does with abortion where he, even though he has been anti-abortion his whole uh career uh and has gone so far as i said earlier to compare abortions to nazi genocide he now says it's not an issue because abortion is legal in, in illinois which it wouldn't be if you got your way but but no th this is part of his defense is the same with the uh Say the the um, cr cr criminalizing people and not giving them, letting them yeah, out on bail. Yeah. If he, yeah, safety act. He says, well, it's nothing he could do about it because basically the Democrats are in charge, so he becomes governor, uh, and it's the law, the way the law is set up. He can't do anything about it. It's just that he doesn't. All like right. It. Well, uh, to that point. Which, which, speaking of logic, let's go to logic for a minute. Let's do a logical. If there's nothing he can do, elected governor, uh, on these things that he's against, then why should he be governor? He's just going to sit around and be able to complain in his office all day long and not got, get anything done or accomplished? What's the point of having him there? Uh, I cannot... I cannot provide an answer to that question, uh, Monroe, other than there is no point in him being there. All right. Uh, he has uh, made crime uh, the, the, his paramount issue since this election began. Uh, the PAC that uh, is essentially trying to work for his uh, election has been airing commercials that show uh, people being mugged or accosted uh, in the streets of Chicago or in the trains of Chicago. He has one where it, 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 that's really alarming. One ad where it's fire and brimstone and noise and 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 black people running rampant, attacking attacking white folks. It's 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 really a, just a hardcore racist. Uh, all right, and so but uh, so you figure he would have thought about crime. Yeah, he would have come up with uh, some kind of uh, quote unquote solution uh, to high crime uh, that he would propose. Uh, instead, this was his response from the debate uh, when asked how you deal with gang crime in Chicago. He contended it was linked to illegal immigration from the Mexican border. Quote, 
I think first and foremost, we need to deal with our southern border and we need to get that under control and stop the inflow of illegal activity because what that is bringing, it's bringing gang violence. It's bringing sex trafficking. It's bringing drug trafficking. It's a mess and we've got to deal with it. And then finally, we simply need to get rid of the sanctuary state status so law enforcement can do their job. That is absolutely a meaningless statement in regards to what are you going to do about crime in Chicago? Because Monroe, you and I both know that it's not peop, uh, immigrants who've snuck over the border from Mexico who are driving crime in Chicago, nor has it ever been. So I don't know if you were going to turn to him for help in how to deal with crime in Chicago, he has no help other than hate. Mexican Americans. I I think I don't know what else you could say. Or well, the other thing, this this is a a dog whistleish approach, in that basically what he's he's he, he he wants to do is put all the black men in jail, you know, just round them all up and put them in Cook County Jail, uh, eight to a cell or something. I don't know, I, and. He can't say that because he's trying to pretend he has a, he has a a black woman as his lieutenant governor running in lieutenant governor spot, so he can't be overtly racist as Trump can. He he doesn't have that following that that cult status, so he has to be a little more old fashioned racist instead of hardcore racist like Trump. So, but but this is what it's all about. It's 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 again. It's there is black crime. We do have a, a, a serious crime problem here. Um, unintended of unintended consequences. The reason we have so much gang activity going on here. A couple of reasons. Obviously, the the um, it's, it's easy to get a gun. And so everybody has one. And secondly, we we had this um, law and order thing going for uh, a couple of decades. And what it ended up doing was putting all the gang bosses in prison. So there's no one that control the control or consolidate the gangs. So you have one block of kids killing another block of kids. Uh it's, oh, social media has contributed to that also, because um, you said something that I didn't like on Facebook, and so I'll show you. I, I I know where you make your midnight runs, and I'll be waiting for you with my gun. Yeah, and that uh, I, I don't know where you begin to deal with that. I mean, the it's such a complicated. Uh, right, it's not a one. Yeah, there's not one fix. It, it it would require the smartest people uh, in in the state, in the city, in the country working together, uh, and uh, it would require obviously uh, spending money, tax dollars, public dollars, in many different ways. Um, it would require work in schools and churches and any places. Uh, where people might have influence, uh, it would require more mental health treatment, more uh, everything that we're not doing. It would require, 
And one thing that's not helping is to air a commercial that is intended to exploit the fears people have about crime. I mean, so. And the fears are real. I I have uh, one of my college roommates, roommates from college lives in 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 Madison or Floss, Flossmore, one of those suburbs. South suburbs, there. yeah. Yeah, South Suburbs, where he was um, principal of of the Flossmore slash something high school. And then he he was a superintendent. Homewood Flossmore? It's called Homewood Flossmore High School? Yeah, yeah, he was a principal there. And then he became superintendent of the district. district. He grew up in Gary. We We were roommates in college. He told me that he is afraid to drive into Chicago. And it's because of the what's actually happening. Plus, when I was at Channel 2 in, in the 90s, uh, Channel 2, uh, Bill Applegate was the general manager. And Bill Applegate ran, had his, his news directors run uh, what was called If It Bleeds, It Leads. And so all of our our Channel Two's news stories were of shootings and 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 just horrible stuff. Nobody else was doing it at that time. Now everybody's doing it. So you get a steady diet of that if you watch TV news. I don't care what channel you're on. And that and and that makes people paranoid because you hear about this happening there. This robbery, a lot of that stuff was not reported in the past. Yeah, no, it, uh, it absolutely. It, it, it's, 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 and not just the news, the, uh, the TV, but the newspapers just filled with uh, carnage and crime. All right, let's close. You mentioned um, uh, your, your days at Channel 2. Let's close with a little conversation about Charles Thomas. A lot of people ask me my opinion about this, uh, so I'm going to state my opinion. And they get yours. We'll close down the show. Charles Thomas, of course, longtime uh, TV newsman in the city of Chicago. Uh, many years he was on ABC TV uh, and uh, he was a political correspondent, a very smart guy, a very shrewd observer of Chicago politics. He came. He was nice enough to come on my show with McDumkey that we do at the hideout. Uh, he was very funny and very gracious. Uh, and I always appreciate uh, Charles Thomas for coming on my show at the hideout. Uh, and I also believe he's come on, uh, the old days when I had a radio show, he came on that as well. Uh, he's retired from journalism. Okay, he's no longer a, a ABC political correspondent. And as such, he's more of a political consultant. All right. Think David Axelrod, ladies and gentlemen, only he's a Republican. He's working on behalf of DB, uh, Darren Bailey. He aired a commercial. Uh, now Charles, you know, you know, I love you. But I think it's one of the dumbest commercials I've ever seen. Okay. <laughs> Your endorsement, he's a farmer. I mean, a, yeah, a rich farmer with that big paw out, but okay. You don't say right. that. Right. Uh, right. And uh, so he's been roundly criticized uh, by other journalists who say he's betrayed uh, the profession. So let me say this. I disagree with that criticism that he portrayed the profession. He is no longer a working journalist, Monroe. He is a political strategist. As such, he is free, just like David Axelrod is free. 
Yeah, David, David worked for the Tribune yeah, before yeah. he went over. Yeah, David Axelrod worked for the Tribune. If you watch Punch 9, David Axelrod is quoted in Punch 9, the Harold Washington documentary, not as a political consultant by and large, but as a journalist, right? He's reflecting on his days as a journalist covering Harold Washington. Right? He went on and became a very successful political consultant. So Charles is like David Axelrod, just not as well-known or as wealthy or successful at the moment. He keeps working for MAGA. They'll take care of you, Charles, because you know MAGA he got to work for the billionaires, not for MAGA. Yeah, well, MAGA okay. is a well he is MAGA. effectively the people who finance MAGA are by and large billionaires. But yeah, yeah uh, that's true. So I, I, I'm not hating on Charles Thomas because uh, as a former journalist, he should never, ever, ever, um, you know, become a political strategist. I believe he has done what David Axelrod has done, and if it's bad for Charles and it's bad for David Axelrod. And I don't believe that's the case. People leave journalism all the time and become political strategists, Monroe. They leave journalism, use the knowledge they built up in journalism, the context they built up in journalism to make lucrative careers for themselves as political strategists and consultants. So I am not hating on Charles Thomas for having done that. I do not believe he's violating any ethics. Uh, I do not believe he is... Um, you know, some sacred oath of journalism uh, has been annihilated here. I do think those are some of the dumbest commercials I've ever seen. I feel sorry for anybody who votes for Darren Bailey based on it. Sorry, Charles, but that's how I feel. Uh, that's my position on Charles Thomas. You, 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 you mean you think the one where he says that um, Bailey is yeah. a farmer? They seem like a nice guy. Come on, Charles! You're better than that. That, that, didn't, that didn't convert oh you. Oh my but. God! <laughs> but he still had the right, Monroe, to make money out of this yeah. business, out of this racket, like everybody else does. That's my general thought. Right. I mean, I, I wish he wasn't doing it on behalf of MAGA. It's, you know. Well, he, he the problem is uh, he doesn't have he doesn't have much to work with. <laughs> with 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 Bailey, that's that's his problem. He has because the 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 one he does to uh, get black Chicagoans to vote for, him. he says basically that um, Prisker didn't arrange for any blacks to get any of the joint stores, the marijuana store, the dispensaries. He didn't, he, and it's true. The people who, many of whom their friends or their family members are still in jail for possession of marijuana, are selling it. Um, none of their relatives or their friends or their family members have been able to get one of these um, money machines that are out there right now. And so there is something wrong with that. That should be addressed for for sure, and and um, Prisker says that he's addressing it. He has some some committee, I think, or something. I mean, he's 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 giving it some kind of attention. I don't know how serious it is, but I mean, he couldn't just shrug his shoulders and say too bad. On the other hand, what is Bailey offering Black Chicago except calling it a hellhole? 
and having a visceral hate for the city because he's a farmer. So, you know, uh, frequently politics is the lesser of two evils. And this is definitely one of the, although I don't personally don't think Pritzker is evil. I, although I, I do think that um, he, he, this, this marijuana dispensary um, problem. All right, look, so let me deal with that. Uh, we have had on this show countless people who've come on to criticize J.B. Pritzker uh, and uh, the oversight of the dispensary licenses in terms of how uh, black entrepreneurs have been frozen out, even though black people paid the greatest price, the war on drugs. And for all those years that reefer was illegal, it was black people who were getting arrested. Black people were getting thrown in jail, all right? And, and, and uh, by and large, mostly for, for reefer possession. And who had a language in jail because of her cash bail system. So it's the Democrats who made it legal so that they stopped locking up people for possessing a joint. And it was the Democrats who got rid of cash bail so that you could not be just kept in jail because you couldn't pay the bond. That, those two initiatives were passed, Charles Thomas, over the strenuous opposition of all those MAGA people you are now endorsing with your DB endorsement. Okay? So, yes, J.B. Pritzker uh, fumbled, to put it mildly, the handling of uh, the dispensary licenses. And yes, they should have rectified that years ago because I think it's been legal now. I forget how long it's been legal, like two or three years. But if it was up to your guy, DB, it still would be illegal. Black people would be still arrested for having joints, and there would be no cash. There would be cash bail to be locked up for it. So stop just putting stuff out there that is, again, just so misleading. If you hate Democrats for whatever reason, people hate Democrats, just go, I hate Democrats. No, don't try to... You could say, well, they're phonies. They say they care about you, and they really don't want to set up uh, dispensaries. They just want to give it to white people. Say that. But then you also got to go, on the other hand, if it was up to Republicans, they would still be locking you up. See what I'm saying? Monroe? Right. There's nothing. They, therefore, they're, they're, they're all for prisons for profit. And so as a result of, of the prisons for, for profit, you have the jail to sell movement in, in, in black communities. Because once once you once you establish a prison uh for profit, then you've got to have people in them so you can make your profit. So I, I, I that's that's all right. So let that. me uh ask you point blank the David Axelrod question. And that is this. Okay. Is there something Ethically wrong with Charles Thomas doing commercials for DB? If there's, is there something ethically wrong with uh, Charles Thomas uh, getting money from a PAC uh, that is uh, pushing for Darren Bailey? I say no. I say he's out of journalism. He is as free as David Axelrod to make as much money as he can. That's my official position. I wish he wasn't doing it on behalf of MAGA, but, you know, that's his decision. So what's your position on the journalistic issues 
my my position is that I have nothing wrong with people leaving journalism to work in politics because if if you've covered it, uh, then you know stuff that you can bring to the table. Uh, um, if I were to be against that, then I'd be very hypocritical since I was mayor of the press secretary. I did, I did briefly <laughs> leave journalism to, to fool around in politics. And right, and the reason I left, I was at Newsweek and I was interviewing people. And I had been in the business for 18 years or so by then. I was interviewing people and I'm listening to their quotes that I'm writing down to answer to my question. And I'm thinking, I'm, I'm critiquing them. I'm going, God, he could have done better than that. He could have said this or said that. And so I had a chance to actually be where I could have some influence on one of those. Now, the difference why I, I feel comfortable criticizing Charles is that when I left to work in, in politics, I went there because... I saw the African-American community um, in jeopardy of losing power that they had fought hard to get. And so I thought I could be, I could either sit on the sideline and complain about it, or I could get into the fray and see if I can make a difference. Um, if I, I, I didn't go to City Hall to work for the 29. Charles is doing the equivalent of working for the 29, as far as I'm concerned. And that's my critique. Fair enough. Uh, all right, we've run out of time. Uh, Monroe Anderson, Pride of Joy of Gary, Indiana, as he already explained, every Wednesday, uh, talking politics, Trump, Trump, Trump. Uh, and there's no, no end of Trump news. Uh, to as we speak, maybe he's finishing up his deposition. We'll probably be talking about it uh, next week. Uh, thanks, Monroe. Appreciate you taking probably it. singing the fifth. <laughs> yeah, oh, he's singing that fifth, <laughs> and it's not Beethoven's fifth, ladies and <laughs> gentlemen. That he's singing. No, <laughs> it's a different fifth as an amendment. Uh, all right, Monroe. Thank you very much. I uh, also want to thank uh, DG, DJ Nate for doing an outstanding job, as he always does. Uh, the pride and joy of Lane Tech High School. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. See you tomorrow, everybody. Bye.